every film can be Citizen Kane But even critics have claimed that it was shit in its day Some films are shit and shit they will stay But some get better over time because of Nicolas Cage So which film stays shit forever? And which one's got a little bit better? Second chance movies No poor blunts were harmed in the making of this podcast I'm your host, Jessica Quaz. And I am also your host, Joe Harper. So, Joe, we are going to be discussing one of the most uh, polarizing, maybe beloved, hated Star Wars movie of the franchise. I think it was definitely the one of the ones that uh, sparked the inner Star Wars fandom debates. Um, and then Rise of Skywalker came along and made that way more intense. But <laughs> but we are here to talk about Phantom Menace. As we all know as the beginning of the prequels. That's right. So this is the and You and first I are both movie. dressed up. Mm-hmm. I got um my makeup inspired by Queen Amidala. Hello. Hello. I've got my uh, Star Wars shirt. I've got a Star Wars hat. I am ready to talk about Star Wars. But I guess more specifically, just uh, the first or the fourth Star Wars movie. Again, this is very confusing to talk about this movie. <laughs> it really is because I, in my mind, because this was not the first Star Wars movie I've ever seen. It's hard for Same. me to consider it as like the top number one. This is the beginning, even though in the story structure, that's what it is. But it's in my mind, heart. I, like I still think of a new hope as number one, even though that's not it. Yeah, I I still don't like calling it a new hope. I like calling it Star Wars. Right, because it was the first. It was the one that started this whole shebang. Um, so, I mean, Phantom Menace. As as you guys can see just by looking at us, Joe and I are clearly Star Wars fans. Uh, we have been for a long time. We know a lot about this franchise. We love a lot about this franchise. We also hate some things about this franchise. Um, and I feel like Phantom Menace is interesting to review now, uh, post, um, you know, Force Awakens era of Star Wars, uh, post Rise of Skywalker uh, in the year 2021, just seeing what we think of it now as compared to how we thought about it over the years and when we first watched it. Um, and for everyone, um, if you're not well aware of this, spoiler alert. Right, <laughs> yeah. Spoilers. <laughs> yeah. I feel if like you... if any movie review will be a spoiler. And if you're watching movie reviews and movie critiques, don't be surprised that uh, we're going to talk about things that happened in the movie. We're, yeah, we're going to openly talk about a lot of things that happened in the movie. So if you haven't seen it, um, stop listening and go watch it and then come back. No, uh, I say <laughs> listen and just know that it will be spoiled. Listen to this. <laughs> Don't tell them not to listen to this. That's okay. not a good strategy of people listening to this. Because it's a second chance. Your first go around. Did you like the movie? Did you not like the movie? Um, it was a little bit of both, which is, it was like, I felt like when I first saw it, I mean, I was a kid. I, I saw it the opening week in theaters. How um, old were you? Let me, what year did it come out? 99. 99. So I was, I was 11. 
I was seven. I was 11 or 12. I think I was 11. You were seven? Okay. I was seven. Um, horrible little seven-year-old quiz. <laughs> I um, couldn't see a Star Wars. <laughs> and like, I, I don't, because I was only seven, I don't specifically remember me sitting down in theaters and watching it. But I know I definitely saw all the prequels in the theaters and I saw them very, like, opening week. So I know that. I, <laughs> I remember, like, parents, I have to watch this movie the first weekend i love star wars i have all the toys and i need to see episode one the first weekend i'm so pumped and i'm pretty sure i still have that ticket but yeah i remember like it was weird because i loved star wars as a kid so i remember being really stoked just to have more star wars content um so that was exciting but it was also like, I think as a child, I, I didn't like understand that this new movie would not have like the beloved characters that I love to watch. So there wouldn't be any Leia, there wouldn't be any Han, there wouldn't be any Luke. Like it was just hard for me at seven years old to understand prequel. So okay. I definitely know like as a kid, I was stoked to watch it. But at the same time, I didn't get like, this is a different situation entirely so i do remember being like kind of like where where's the star wars of it all though like i don't it's crazy what a little five-year difference can do to you because like me i knew this is the begin. this is the story of darth vader so i knew that luke and leia han chewie were not going to be in this i knew that and i was just excited for like more of the universe more different weird characters because that's what I really liked as a kid is all my action figures and everyone looking different and wild and crazy and so that was what I was pumped for more space more fights I was on I was in on board you know because we're such Star Wars fans obviously we have followed the franchise as it's evolved over the years and so like it's not like for me I just watched this once in theaters and then never again like that's not my star wars style i cycle through these movies a lot um so i this is just like i guess we're just going to be open and honest watching this now in 2021 was not my second chance with this movie this might have been my fourth or fifth but i think this is probably my like 20th chance with the movie yeah so it's but like it's it's different I, I don't know basically my journey with it was like as a kid seeing it in theaters I was more neutral ground and then as I get a little older I hated them I, I hated the prequels um and I I just they made my blood boil as I, like as I grew up as a Star Wars fan was just like yeah these were stupid where's the story structure um and then maybe this go round, my opinion has shifted a little bit so we'll get into that when we talk about our second or 20th chance with this movie. But yeah, it's been a, it's so definitely I been a journey. Owning, I remember owning this movie on, wait for it, VHS. Oh. I had oh, it. Oh. And I would, yeah, it's outdated technology now. <laughs> and I don't think I could play it if I wanted to on VHS. But I remember I watched it a lot. I think because the other ones, um, I think I watched this one a lot more because it was just newer. And so I feel like episode one might be the one I've seen the most just because of my age and availability to it. Um, 
Yeah, so that's it's odd that way. Uh, I really like the original trilogy, but I feel like I've seen Phantom Menace the most. I also was at an age where I wasn't an angry like 30-year-old on the internet boards that it's ruined my childhood. That was my childhood, and it was... That is, it is. I think that's a really good point that like the age you were at when this movie came out might have completely changed your perception. Like for like we were saying, like even like a four year age difference, I didn't get the idea of a prequel. You've grasped that. And so we had two different experiences. Why is Leia not in this? Yeah, I was like, what the hell? Where's my girl? <laughs> I don't get it. Where's I remember it? knowing like when I watched it then, I'll tell the difference now. Then seeing C-3PO, I was like, oh, cool, 3 pos back. And then now I think this is very unnecessary to have 3PO <laughs> in this movie. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, I think the, there's definitely, as, as you age, at least for us, like younger millennial Star Wars fans, I think your ideas of these movies could shift, um, which is interesting. I think that's why Phantom Menace is such an interesting movie to talk about, not just for this podcast, but with Star Wars fans in general, because it's, you know, you can talk to five different people and get five different takes on the movie, um, which I think is interesting. Um, the generations are definitely divided. I think older generations love their, the original trilogy will stick by it. There's a big generation now of millennials that just love the prequels. They live their life by them. Uh, I've read it or subreddits that are just like crazy for the prequels, which I think is funny. Um, and then we have the animated Clone Wars that that whole show really helped shape those characters of the prequels a little bit better. So that's weird that that show kind of makes the prequels slightly better in a way. Yeah, it's I mean, I have OK, so full disclosure, I've only seen like the first two seasons of the Clone Wars. Sure. <laughs> I, I mean, but like my take is controversial in that. If you need an entire series to back up your movies, are they good movies? So let's get into the movie itself. Um, sure. Let's just talk about a little bit of this, just the, the, the movie. Before we get into our, our second chance takes, let's just talk about the, a little bit of the backstory of the movie. I mean, a lot of people listening to this might already know these facts. Um, but some you might not. I learned some things researching this episode that I had no idea about. So to summarize this movie, uh, as IMDb has put it, two Jedi escape a hostile blockade to find allies and come across a young boy who may bring balance to the Force. But the long dormant Sith resurface to claim their original glory. I don't really think that summary does that movie justice. That summary uh is is pretty intense for the descriptors of what happens in this plot joe what do you what do you think of this summary do you think this sum summarizes the movie well not really so <laughs> i would i give it two summaries it, just to the basic general summary i would say it's like the prequel to the star wars original star wars movies i mean it's, yeah <laughs> Yeah, that's what I, if I was just saying it to anyone, that's how I would describe that movie. If I was just describing it as a movie, I would say if I was just describing the plot, it's about a group of strangers that consists of two Jedi 
like a fish duck hybrid alien, a queen's handmaid, and a sassy trash can robot. They get stuck on an unfamiliar desert planet and urgently need to return to a different planet to plead the case to Space Congress about robot armies infiltrating their home planet. But while on the desert planet, our group runs into a child who may be important to the whole galaxy. That's really fucking good. That might be the best summary of the of the Phantom Menace plot I've ever heard. But the fact that I had to say it in like four long sentences, <laughs> it's just, it's too much. I feel like a great plot is just like, you know, this couple robs a train. Oh, great. Let's get on. I'm, I love robbery movies. Let's do this. Heist. Yay. But like, oh man, this movie has so many characters there's a lot of things happening at once, which is impressive, but it also is just, it weighs you down, I feel. Yeah, I I agree. So if I was going to describe it to someone that liked Star Wars, knew about Star Wars, but hadn't seen this, I would say, hey, you know Darth Vader? Do you want to see how he became Darth Vader? Because here we go. Um, and <laughs> I don't think that describes this movie. It might describe... <laughs> episodes two and three but he in no way is does anything evil the kid is super nice and anakin is like i'm here to help everyone (laughs) so oh it's not as this is not like a darth vader or i mean it is his origin story but there's no way in this movie that'll lead him to the dark side except he's being taken away from his mom that's like the one seed that's dropped okay so then uh another one like a better one might be like, you know, Darth Vader, we're going to meet him for this specific movie. We're going to meet Darth Vader as a little boy. Oh, cool. (laughs) That's it. Torturing ants with a magnifying glass or lightsaber. I'm ready for that. Um, I guess they could have been like for someone who doesn't know Star Wars and just would describe this entire movie. I would just say there's a lot of cool visuals and CGI as two ragtag Jedis do stuff. And I think uh, those I think those special effects still hold up for the most part. I agree. And I do think that while special effects typically have nothing to do with the story of a movie, I think there's an exception to be made for this one because I do think, I mean, we'll get into this more later, but I do think the visuals really do play an intricate role in this movie. Um, so I would include that. Like, hey, you like cool visuals? See this movie. Um, I feel like just their characters and designs just like grab you visually, like Darth Maul. Yeah. The red, the black, the horns, two lightsabers. I think just seeing that, like, in even in the trailer of the movie, you're like, well, I need to see this movie. Exactly. So I think for this one, like, you, I, I would include the visuals for a summary if. You know, no one's ever, if I'm talking to someone who's never seen a Star Wars movie, has no idea what the Phantom Menace is. It's just like, hey, there's a story here, but like, look at what's happening on the screen. While we're on the summary, um, a big part of this movie, which I I don't think I understood as a child um, very well, and even as an adult, I'm still trying to piece the puzzles together about the Trade Federation invading a planet and how pivotal that is to the story. Um, I definitely... is a side quest in the story. Yes. Um, and I'm still trying... Uh, so, I mean, I... For the most part, I'm pretty sure I understand this. 
Trade Federation is like invading this planet, and the planet's like, um, please don't do that. And then they go to the city planet, Coruscant, to plead their case to Space Congress. Hey, they're invading our space. And they're like, no, we're not. <laughs> they clearly are. And Space Congress is like, well, let's, you know what we're going to do? Uh, we'll decide on this a little later. We'll do some investigating. No, like, you need to help us now. What do you know? Um, and then Palpatine, as we know, hey, you should just tell them, um, because they're not doing this, that we should overthrow him. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. And that gets the ball rolling for him becoming the Emperor later on the line. But it's just it's so crazy, <laughs> all these decisions that are being made within yeah. the span of like a day or two. Yeah, the plot is not that easy to actually describe. It's a it's a actually very compact, dense plot, which is something, like you said, I still have trouble wrapping my mind around at this age. I did I definitely didn't get it when I and, saw it at seven. Yeah, that's why our two Jedi are introduced to us to talk about like to the fate trade federation. Hey guys, what are you doing? But instead of a conversation happening, they get gassed. So and then lightsabers. <laughs> so speaking of our two Jedi, let's talk about who is in this movie. So it stars Liam Neeson as Qui-Gon Jinn. I would say he's probably the lead of this particular movie. Then we have, of course, you and McGregor. Yeah, if we had to choose a lead, I feel like he's definitely the lead of the movie, which is a big thing this movie doesn't really have. There's about like five to six leads, and they're all pretty split time-wise evenly. And we don't, yeah, we need, we'll go, yeah. Okay, so... I mean, yeah, it's like like you said, like hard to di- to distinguish a lead, but I guess it's like kind of his journey ish, sort of. I don't know. Um, and then Ewan McGregor as Obi Wan, of course, we know that. Um, Natalie Portman as Queen Amidala or Padme, whatever you feel like calling her. Uh, Jake Lloyd- for this movie, I would call her Padme. She is. They don't reveal her as the queen until later. Yeah. I think of her in this movie as Queen Amidala because she's got some real fierce looks, you know, and she was marketed as Queen Amidala with the iconic fashion. So what, I mean, and this is really the only movie where we get Queen Amidala. Well, that's neither here nor there for this conversation. Um, (laughs) Then we have Jake Lloyd as young Anakin Skywalker and then often overlooked, but still in the main cast is Ahmed Best as Jar Jar Binks. And we will get into Jar Jar Binks later. We're... (laughs) I think there's a lot to say about him. <laughs> yeah, there is. <laughs> um, and of course, I'm sure you know, but if not, wow. Uh, director and writer for this was George Lucas. Um, before he directed this, he had directed American Graffiti and A New Hope, which is the first filmed Star Wars movie ever. Uh, and he also wrote A New Hope. He also wrote at this point Indiana Jones. Um, so he did have, I would I think it seems like at this point in his career, he definitely had more writing experience than directing. He actually hadn't directed a movie in between A New Hope and Phantom Menace. Um, so I, in terms of directing credits, obviously like that, that's what he was known for at the time. Um, but he was also known for creating characters and stories. 
Um, he created Star Wars. He created this yeah. world for us that is, you know, it's captures. It's a global cultural phenomenon. So as far as Oscars are concerned, it was nominated for three Oscars, Best Sound, Best Sound Editing, and Best Visual Effects. But it did not win any. The Matrix won all three of those awards, and that makes sense to me. Yeah, I'm not mad at that. The Matrix, yeah, swept any type of award that episode one was nominated for. It looks like The Matrix beat it visually and watch if we rewatch that movie i know that still holds up visually so i mean they're both great (laughs) so okay so while it was also nominated for three oscars which is a good amount of oscars for a movie to be nominated for uh it was also up for five razzies so i think that the award did was up for speaks for the polarization people feel with this movie. Um, what I didn't know, I had no idea. This is this is a journey that I learned. Um, did you know Sofia Coppola was in this movie? She's one of the handmaids. I had no idea, but she, I found out she was in this movie because she was nominated for Worst Supporting Actress at the Razzies. She did not win. For um, this? Yeah, for this, which I think was just a Razzie. Why? Giving, uh, I, I have a theory that it was just the Razzies like giving a middle finger to nepotism, just kind of being like, oh, you daddy put you in this movie. Because that actually was the backstory that I was researching was she was about to film Virgin Suicides. That was her first directing movie. So she actually went up to George Lucas and was like, hey, can I like shadow you on set? You know my dad. And he was like, sure. Uh, but and they and then through conversations, they agreed that it would be best for her just to like kind of be in the background as like a smaller role, which is how she got the handmaiden role. And then she could just silently kind of watch as like he was directing actors and directing everything. Um, but yeah, so I just think like, because I don't think she, she might have a line or two, um, but she's definitely not prominent enough to get an award. <laughs> she does not have a line. Okay. So she doesn't even have a line. Um, so I she really do background. Think, okay. Yeah. I mean, that's why I never if, clocked her. If anyone has a line, it's going to be Kira Knightley as the other handmaid that takes the place of the queen. So anytime you see Natalie Portman as the handmaiden, Kira Knightley is queen. Okay, that's what I thought. And then I was kind of shocked to find out she was nominated for a Razzie. And then, yeah, the more I thought about it, it was probably just like a middle finger to nepotism. Just being like, okay, you just got this background role because you're dead. Which is like, who cares? <laughs> she didn't... I don't even... By that story you told me, it doesn't sound like daddy put her in the movie. It sounds like, hey, I'm going to talk to one of my dad's friends. Hey, yeah. can I... I want to try and be a director. And he's like, sure, yeah, you can follow me along. But um, want to be in my Star Wars? Hell yeah. yes, I want to be in Star Wars. Uh, I'll just be quiet and watch you. <laughs> so yeah, the Raz- that's a dumb nomination from the Razzies. It is. And unlike the Oscars, they lost all of their nominations except for Worst Supporting Actor for Ahmed Best, which I do not oh. agree with. I don't like that. I don't no. like that one bit. Mm-mm. No, he's... Mm-mm. No, no, he did not deserve a Razzie for that. He did not. And we'll get into that later. But I 
I think we're both, no matter how you and I feel about uh, Phantom Menace, you and I are both very pro Ahmed Best. We really like him here. I like that guy. I like him too. So the budget for this movie was $115 million. And opening weekend, it earned 64, I'm just rounding it up, 65, roughly $65 million on May 23rd, 1999. Uh uh, the gross I think it got in the U.S. was 474 million, and worldwide, it earned roughly a billion dollars, or it earned a billion and some change. So, not not a bad chunk of change for a budget of 115. No, it definitely made its money back, and we're talking like huge numbers, money that I can't even fathom. So, yeah, it did very well. I mean, at the end of the day. They got their return. So if you didn't like it, they still success made it in their book. Yeah, clearly. Hey, let's keep making more Star Wars. <laughs> Here we are. I mean, as long as they keep making Star Wars, I will still keep paying to see them. I think I will too. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in the cult. Yes, Star Wars. <laughs> All right, I do want to talk about uh, at least the reviews for them. It looks like it is the lowest rated uh, Star Wars movie on Rotten Tomatoes. It got 52% from the critics and 59% from the audience, which are both rotten in their eyes. Yeah, I mean, that's not too bad, though. It's still still the lowest. Wow, okay, hmm interesting i don't know if I the only that. one that's beating it is by critics critics uh for rise of skywalker 51 percent, so not much lower and the audience is 86 percent. they really liked rise of skywalker for i don't know why but yeah um let's just get into some of the reviews critics i you know they oh, i'm ready to hear these reviews Okay, Tell so, me some reviews, Quaz. Um, so an, a, a pretty negative review comes from Evan Williams at The Australian. He wrote, everything in Phantom Menace exists in a bright, noisy vacuum. Harsh. <laughs> I mean, it's it's colorful. It's nice. I mean, it's there's nice visually to the eyes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what he got nominated for, all the sounds. <laughs> all that noise in that vacuum. Andrew O'Hagan at the Daily Telegraph wrote, the visual effects in The Phantom Menace are so good that you find yourself not caring very much about Qui-Gon's prophetic murmurings. I like Qui-Gon and that guy can shut up. (laughs) Okay, here's a positive one. This might, you might like this one. (laughs) Oh, I love positive reviews. One of George Lucas's creative high points, an excellent look at the failings of society on the brink, the original subversive Star Wars entry. And that came from Evan Dosey at the Midwest Film Journal. We had me at the beginning of that because I do think this Star Wars is great in the sense of we had our original trilogy and we got so many new ideas. We have like the Jedi Council, we have new planets, we have new creatures. It just opened up the world of Star Wars, which I think is what George Lucas does the best and really well, is just creating new worlds and environments for us and ideas. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, it's, it is very creative. This is from Stephen Rosen at the Denver Post. He wrote, perhaps Lucas has become too lost in his mastery of computer generated effects and digital sound to remember that creativity in this movie is not just a technical thing. Oof. Oof. Mm. Mm. <laughs> um, uh, let's mm. just do one more mm. positive to outweigh the bad. <laughs> um, there's a sense of discovery in scene after scene of the Phantom Menace, and that comes from the iconic Roger Ebert at the Chicago Sun-Times. And then last but certainly not least is my favorite critics review. And this comes from okay. Thelma, Thelma Adams, the New York Post, good old Thelma wrote, what's missing from George Lucas's heralded return to the screen is dot, 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 sex. What? <laughs> what? Yep, that was Thelma's takeaway. Who is Thelma and why was she just thinking about sex and Star Wars? I, I don't, Who I mean... Who in this movie would have sex in each other that she was expecting? Um, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan? I don't know. I don't know that, that but Thelma wanted like more sex. I don't know where you would fit a sex scene into this movie <laughs> to, for the context of any story or plot. There's, there's no romance in this movie. Maybe that's what she was looking for, romance? Maybe There's I don't know. Slight, like flirtation in this movie when Anakin's like, "Are you an angel?" Well, that That's just makes only... me uncomfortable. I don't. I don't think we need more of that, Thelma. <laughs> we needed less of that scene. <laughs> Truly. So I don't know. Thelma oh, wanted Thelma. people to bang, and she didn't get it, and so she felt a certain way about Phantom Menace because of the is that why everyone didn't banging. like this movie when it came out? Not enough banging. Um, that, that could really be why a reason. Didn't like this movie. I, I mean, okay, so I think. And at seven and eleven, we didn't care about that. <laughs> no, I definitely wasn't thinking about that. But you know, Thelma, whatever age she was, was thinking about the lack of penetration in this movie. Um, oh, okay, yes. girl, that it's a it's a hell of a takeaway. So I think. I mean, the reviews like we've been reading, they're negative, they're positive, they're about who knows. Um, so it's a, it just shows again how polarizing it was. The fact that it, you know, made a ton of money, was nominated for Oscars, but then it was also up for Razzies. The fact that there's an extreme mixture of critics where you have iconic Roger Ebert saying he loved it. And then you have a bunch of people saying, no, this was stupid. So it's just, I mean, like we've been talking about people respond very differently to this movie. Um, and I think that what we just read shows that very clearly. So let's get into our second and or fifth or 20th. We've both kind of lost count on what chance this was. But you and I both rewatched the movie um, in 2021. And let's just talk about how we felt. To... Wow, cool. So how I felt, it just, it's difficult for me to express how I feel during this movie because I feel the same way. I'm excited. 
just watching Star Wars, I think it's really more obnoxious for my wife because I'm quoting it the entire time. Because I've seen it so much, I find most of those lines like iconic and they probably aren't to anyone but me but i can quote that movie pretty well while watching it before we get like really specific into the things we liked and we didn't like about this movie i just want to have a quick conversation about jar jar personally um because there's time to talk about jar jar i think it's i think it's time to talk about jar jar yeah um Let's rip that bandit off. <laughs> Let's just do it. Let's just get it out of the way. Um, I I mean, I have a lot of mixed emotions about Jar Jar and the story of Jar Jar. How do you feel? First of all, I just think we need to start off by saying, I think Jar Jar is one of the biggest polarizing things of this movie that have fans hating this movie. Most of the time when I hear someone like bad-mouthing the movie or like that movie sucks because it has Jar Jar and he's annoying. And I I don't like, I think he's kind of annoying, but I don't care because that's a fun character trait or, you know, he's the obnoxious stranger they meet on their journey and he can be obnoxious. Let him be goofy and silly. This is also a movie kind of aimed at general audiences for families of all ages and yeah, some kids are going like, oh, he's talking funny. I like it. I think his voice is kind of annoying. Um, mostly when he just squeals. Um, I mean, I kind of feel the same way about Jar Jar as you do, where I, you know, get that he can be annoying. But honestly, like his annoyance for me doesn't take away much from the movie. Like I can still watch scenes with him and be fine. Like I don't think he's so irritating that he ruins this movie i think he's also pretty easy to ignore because he just pops (laughs) up and says like silly things like you don't need to take him seriously um but yeah i think it's also it is overlooked often that he was a main character whether we like it or not he was prominently featured um and you know just like some backstory with that like we said you and i are both very pro ahmed best um, what really annoys me about just Jar Jar and how it's like talked about is that if you like it or not, whatever. But I think it's very clear that Ahmed Best really gave it his all. Like he was committed to that voice. He was committed to that role. And I think it, it comes out now. Like I see that, that he was really into it and it's not his fault at all. It also should be pointed out that he's essentially the first uh, motion capture character we've ever received. Most of that credit goes to Andy Serkis for Gollum, but it's really Ahmed Best as Jar Jar where motion capture took its, you know, started its journey. And yeah. without that, we wouldn't get a lot of characters like even like Thanos now, which is great. Like, yeah, Jar Jar in and of itself as just like, technically is impressive yeah i i mean totally it was very new technology also you have to consider that they were acting and writing with this new technology um so that's pretty tricky and i do think yeah in 2021 he honestly the detailing of him looks pretty good for being a completely new technology i think it works 
Um, yeah, like you said, Andy Serkis does get a lot of the credit for evolving this, but it really wasn't him who started it. People just don't like Jar Jar, so they don't like to give it credit. They forget about him. They forget about him. Um, but this was the first poor time. poor little duck fish creature. <laughs> and I do think, like, he's, like you said, he's was, I think, a character that was marketed to not marketed, but was sort of created for the family audience to have... Especially the amount of times he gets, like, his tongue stuck on things or caught. The amount of times he steps in poop or talks about poop is crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely like a clumsy, slapsticky kind of character. And I guess that was sort of, like, new humor introduced for Star Wars. Um... But like, yeah, I don't know. I just, I I get it. I get why he is distracting and annoying, but I don't think it's enough to, to write him off as one of the reasons that this movie just doesn't work. Um, I, I think that there's been so much Jar Jar backlash too. Like that was very unnecessary um, for Ahmed Best specifically. And I mean, there's interviews, you guys can look it up. It's very fascinating and, and also heartbreaking to hear what he went through. Um, and so, yeah, I just say justice for Ahmed Best, truly. Like he didn't, I mean, he was a very integral part of, of cinema technology. And because of that backlash, we got less Jar Jar in episode two and essentially no Jar Jar in episode three. And I feel like that's a big disservice to our story, especially because he is a huge part of this movie and they essentially wrote him to like a background character to the third one which i really want to know like a jar jar arc i hope he pops up in some sort of star wars lore in the future even if it's just like an episode of mandalorian just one episode one one little thing just to what how does his little life go that would be really rad to see jar jar in the mandalorian actually i'm all in on that I really, truly am. I think that's actually really cool. I want to stir the pot a little bit, okay? Because I like the drama. Stir. Um, Stir it up. We've heard a lot about what you love or like about this movie. I want to hear, what are some things you don't like about this movie? What I don't like about this movie? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Just a minor minor start uh, that's not a huge deal. Uh, It doesn't have stormtroopers. I love stormtroopers, and the fact that this movie doesn't have stormtroopers, just I I feel like that's it's one of the, it's the only as far as I know it's the only property that Star Wars has that doesn't have some sort of stormtrooper in it, and visually I think it really takes me out like it's not a Star Wars movie. Uh, I do love the droids though. Oh my god, those battle droids are so funny and goofy. And oh. Oh man, the there's no stormtroopers and it makes me sad. Um, whatever. Uh, I think the biggest thing I I didn't like then when I first watched it, and I still don't really care about now, is like space politics. Um, okay. I do think it's really interesting having at least the space politics that are happening. I like that we got expanded to the world of there is a galactic senate that you know 
there's one person that I guess is the leader in charge of everything that all the planets, everyone has their own little like cubicle spaceship chair that'll float down and they get to talk. I think all that is pretty wild. It's the universe all coming together to this one place. And I think that's really cool. The thing I don't like is I don't understand this trade invasion and why like we know that's bad. Like they're invading that their space and trying to force the queen to sign a treaty that, yeah, we can do this. No. And the fact that like the Supreme leader is like, mm, I don't know. Let's, let's do some research and think about it, which I guess in the long run makes sense. Like you would have to investigate. You can't just be like, Oh, Jessica, you said your planet's invaded. Okay. Bad Joe planet. Punish them. Like, you do need to investigate but yeah. like uh that part of the movie just is really weird to me which is like well if you're not gonna do it then we should vote on somebody new because i can't have i can't wait for this vote for somebody new that will just do as i say so like, that's a weird spot for me so i okay i i do agree with you at some points i actually find it really interesting to as an adult now not as as a kid i couldn't give a shit less about the politics of star wars (laughs) but as an adult who understands politics more now i do find it interesting to watch how the republic versus the empire unfold um however i do agree that trade is not the freshest way to introduce it i mean trade is incredibly boring in real life like i don't care about the trade of space like if i think it could have been way cooler if there was something more impactful in this movie about like the politics of it all i guess they were saving that for later but like yeah i i do like the politics but i trade is just so boring uh and and I think one of the biggest thing, or I keep saying one of the biggest, they're all big to me. Um, one idea that people were upset about this movie was that I guess to defend Jar Jar, Lucas would always say, well, it's a kid's movie. Okay, why did you put politics into it? That seems like an adult theme to me. That's a really good point because as a kid, all that flew way over my head. I didn't understand that we were even talking about politics. I just was like, "Ooh, this Senate chamber is pretty dope. Like the pods. Look at all these, said, like, scenes, this is yeah. cool. Um, no, I didn't care about, oh, they, I, I didn't really, I didn't get, and I still don't get it. Like you were saying as an adult, as a kid, I did not care about this stuff at all. I do think, because I'm a huge West Wing fan, that we need some sort of Star Wars politics show like West Wing. That's a really where really it's just good idea. like different creatures and planets that are like at Coruscant, like oh, oh these these Chewbaccas are just irritating me. The Wookiee planet is just they will not listen to reason. <laughs> I think that would be actually really incredible to watch as an adult. Absolutely, because I do. I think this stuff is interesting. I think the and- is cool. If it's politics, you know what? This can be the Star Wars series. We don't have to worry about having um, it be for kids. It's definitely for adults. Um, that one critic can have her sex scene in it. <laughs> and we're all happy. Wilma will be happy. 
Uh, I think that that's actually a really, really great idea. I do enjoy that. Um, what's a thing you don't like about the movie? <sighs> okay, so I'm just gonna, I mean, this is like the elephant in the room for this movie. I love hearing elephants. <laughs> one of the biggest things, one of the most glaring issues for me is Anakin and Padme. Um, in terms of their characters and their relationship in this movie um i find that both feel very one-dimensional to me um it there's not a lot of depth with either character yet both characters have a lot going on for them at the same time he's a kid i don't know how much depth the child needs that's a fair point that he is a kid and yeah, like kids are dumb, but so, he, he's also born as a, into slavery. Like he's a slave child. That's, that's a lot. Like there's some potential depth there of like, what's it like being an intergalactic slave child? That's pretty intense. One of, uh, Anakin is also on my list of why this movie doesn't work for me. Um, I think this movie might work slightly better if Anakin wasn't like nine years old, totally. if he was roughly about 15, maybe that way he understands why he's a slave, why being a slave is awful. Um, and if he's a little bit closer to Padme's age, maybe she's 16 or 17. Um, I feel like, cause that would make more sense that maybe why she's a queen. Oh, she's 17, a little bit older, not like, let's make a 14 year old our queen that seems weird um i do think yeah him being slightly older that way he's closer to obi-wan's age that way they can be brothers a little bit better um and that would help sequels going forward yeah i think we have a big age jump from him being like nine to him being like 18 in uh attack of the clones and there's a huge like tenure gap where we don't see Anakin and I don't like that. And also those around him don't age too much either, which is like a glaring visual issue. I think like the age the age difference between Anakin and Padme is very uh uncomfortable in this episode or in this this particular movie because it's a big visual difference. This little, you know, 9-year-old kid looks a lot different than Padme, who, by the way, I find this very interesting. So as we said before, Kira Knightley plays the handmaiden that Padme switched with. When Kira Knightley was cast for that, she was only 12 years old, which is mind boggling to me. Jake Lloyd was nine when he was cast and when this was created. So they're much closer in age, but then you have Natalie Portman who was like literally 18 at the time of filming this movie. So there is like this really uncomfortable, like almost visual thing that we can see of this nine-year-old little child and this teenage woman. And I don't wanna say woman, cause she's a teenager, this teenage girl, they just look off as this potential pairing. Romance. Yeah, which is also incredibly uncomfortable because there are moments where they hint at like potential romance. And it's just really off and uncomfortable. And us as the audience, knowing that he's going to be Darth Vader, knowing Luke and Leia are going to be a thing, 
that means he has to have some sort of partner to produce those two. And being that she's the only female introduced, it's got to be her. Like, it's no surprise, it's going to be her. And the fact that we're pairing up this child and this slightly older child is off. It's off, especially when you get into their actual, like, I like just the actor's ages makes it a little Again, uncomfortable. I think the if we had if they had tweaked this to make them both teenagers, she can still be older. I don't really care. But like they're both like two years apart or so in like late mid late teens. I think it works a little bit nicer. Yeah. And him being separated from his mom too, he understands the weight of what is happening instead of like, I'm a little kid, I don't really understand what's happening. He knows, oh I and then, again, this is more his age, not their relationship. If he gets taken to the Jedi Council and they're like, oh, he's way too old. That makes sense. Him being nine and being too old? Are you guys kidnapping three-year-olds for Jedis? What's going on? <laughs> like, I agree. Oh, he's like 19? Mm. Like Eagle Scouts. 18, you can't be a scout anymore. You have to get your Eagle Scout before 18. Like, I get it. I, that makes sense to me. Yeah, I fully agree. I think there's Her a tip. lot. Mm-mm. No, too, too way old. too way too old. That's we that is really weird because again, he looks so young as well. So when there's all these different scenes where he's, you know, too old or it's just odd. Like it just doesn't work. Um I completely agree that if they had written Anakin to be a teenager, I think he could, still could have had that like innocence of Anakin. We could have seen him be a good person. And a, and a well-adjusted teen, um, I, I think just casting, writing and casting him as a kid was a weird choice. And I think that, that there's some issues that arise from that. I think it totally would have worked more if he was a teen, if him and Padme at least like looked around the same age, if like you said, he's too old, uh, there's more pressure of like, whoa, where has this kid been? Like we need him. Um, and yeah, he could have understood like being in a enslavement more. I think the pod racing could have actually been a lot more better if he was a teen, which I'll get into in a minute. But yeah, Don't I just you speak ill of pod racing. Okay, <laughs> okay, well, yikes. But yeah, overall, I think Anakin and Padme. I I don't like them. I think their chemistry is incredibly awkward. I think Padme deserved to be fleshed out a little more. Um, there's a lot of like high stakes with her character that I don't really feel a lot. Um, so yeah, just the, just the, those two in this movie, they don't they don't do it for me. One um, aspect to Anakin, I'm not a huge fan of, is that the fact that he created C-3PO. I don't <laughs> like that at all. We get a really weird, and I think it's just for jokes because like I'm naked. I don't care. That's <laughs> really dumb. Um, it's a very cool, like, I really like the visual of, like, him without the gold armor. But, like, it's just for goofiness. I think the fact that Darth Vader is the one that made C-3PO, and then he just so happens to, like, run into Luke Skywalker, his son he's never had. It's It was, it was like, fan service that was not meant for the story and it just complicates our story rather than somehow introduce maybe C-3PO in the second or the third movie as someone who maybe just like works for Padme 
in because like if Anakin builds him, why does he know nine hundred languages or so? Yeah, there's a lot of uh, plot holes with that idea too because Anakin's a slave. When does he have time to build uh, droids that are that efficient? Like that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Also, we see like just a, like a different types of C-3PO's throughout this movie at least once that I can think of. So it just feels like why couldn't he just like you said be a droid in the droid oh, world? You know, the beginning of the movie when the Jedi is get gas, there is a character, there is a protocol droid that's like silver C three PO, and I feel like even that is kind of like especially for where we didn't get any of that in the original trilogy. Just seeing him visually, I would have been like, that looks like C three PO. That's right. fan service. Yeah, I don't need the actual three PO. We got him. We got it right from the beginning. Oh man, that looks like the thing I know. Yeah, and I think actually to your point about him working with the mom, I actually think that could have been a lot more impactful and, and nicer. Like, cause there's so many connections for Luke and Leia with, with Darth Vader, with their dad. There's not a ton of connections uh, with them for Padme. So I think that could have been a lot of sweeter. Like, oh, this, we know as the audience that your mom had that droid and now it's with your ch her child oh. that's really cool oh that would just that tears at my heartstring just imagining that idea right. of like oh that was actually your mom and then just that could have been a well, it wouldn't have been a reveal to luke but to us as the audience like oh that's mm, that's sweet yeah as opposed to like you said like this kid just like i have a hobby like i don't care <laughs> good good for you kid <laughs> am i while i'm being a slave i pick up spare parts and build stuff later when i'm home <laughs> like when wow what a productive child anakin was he really just did could do it all could do it all so i think the biggest speed bump this this uh movie has is did i do it again i said the biggest whatever this is a, another speed bump this movie has that i'm not a fan of too many characters uh too many main characters mm -hmm. um it's split up we need to have like a main like character we the audience are on the journey with mm -hmm. like right. the original trilogy we had luke luke was the i don't know about jedis i don't know anything but this like moisture farming world and now i get to explore and be going on an adventure and we the audience rode with him we need that character that is not quite familiar with our world to go on with and i think the best character to do that would be obi-wan yeah the character we're kind of already familiar with he's the character that will eventually become a mentor slash brother to anakin so we get to ride that roller coaster with him. I agree. And because, that way, oh. his mentor, Qui-Gon, is kind of like teaching us, the audience, while teaching Obi-Wan. I really like that. I think that also because, I mean, we'll, we're getting into, like, I'm getting into a topic that isn't this specific movie, but Obi-Wan plays a very big role in this overall trilogy and in you know the franchise itself that yeah it would have been nicer i think to focus on obi-wan figuring out how to become an official jedi and then also running into anakin uh and now you know if it's if it's his journey of like okay how do i not screw this child up and make sure he does become a good jedi 
I think that would have been more impactful. I think like we were kind of saying before, it is really hard to pinpoint like who's the main character in this movie. It is a big ensemble and we are dealing with a lot of uh, characters that we revolve our time with. And I, but I do think like Qui-Gon is kind of like our, our hero of the story. And that definitely is. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, it works at times because Liam Neeson is good as Qui-Gon, but at the he same time... He's great as Qui-Gon. He's great as Qui-Gon, but at the <laughs> same time, I don't know, like there is something that falls flat for me maybe because uh, he is a new character and we don't know much about him or how he will play into this story. And then it turns out, you know, he kind of, he dies at the end. So we don't get to spend much time with him. Yeah, I think... Just having Qui-Gon more as a supporting character to Obi-Wan, I think we could have gotten more of an attachment to him. He could I mean, that would have been cool. almost mirroring mirroring A New Hope because Obi-Wan was the mentor character in that movie, which dies to help benefit the story of Luke. So we would just have that same thing. Maybe it would be too much mirroring and that's why we didn't get that. It could be. I think, you know, we definitely, if we made Anakin the, like the main hero, that would be very much mirroring with Luke because he's one who has no idea what's happening and just kind of plucked to be in this. But we also don't see him until like an hour or so into this movie. Yeah, which I think could could work if it was, yeah, if it was Obi-Wan, uh, you know, he's young, he's trying to figure out his way as a Jedi, he's trying to understand like going from padawan to full jedi like what is this how do i do this and then also thrown in the mix is i have to mentor a kid yikes um and then we could have understand like why it was like how how it's tricky with children <laughs> like you could fuck them up which is you know i i think you're right like obi-wan would have been just a, a little more uh fascinating and easier to like latch on to it's it's really rough because during like the big crucial moment of like meeting Anakin and discovering Anakin, uh, when their ship lands on Tatooine because they need uh, a hyperdrive part, Obi Wan stays on the ship, and I think right. that's one of the worst flaws the movie has. Is like the character we all know from old movies, he's just gonna like I'm I'm gonna wait. Right, <laughs> and just like, oh, and in in future movies, he just plays like detective, which I don't really care for, and we never really see Anakin Obi Wan bond. But more back, we need to. I, again, this was hard to talk about. Just this Phantom Menace, because uh, Star Wars is something. But Phantom Menace wise, I, I don't like that we just have Obi Wan, the character we know, sit on a sit on that big spaceship for a good like 40 minutes where we don't get to like hang out with him. Yeah, I think it would have been way more beneficial to the story and to these characters if Obi-Wan was in it with them and we got to understand more of the dynamics between him and Anakin. Cause yeah, he's really thrown, uh, I guess an afterthought when we're meeting Anakin, but yet we, we know watching this movie that there's gonna be a relationship there of some kind so like, why not just establish that? But again, it's hard because I do like Qui-Gon. I do. And I like Liam Neeson as Qui-Gon. And I think he's got some really great moments. And he is a really, he's an interesting, you know, Jedi master. But at the same time, like, 
I yeah, I would rather have had Obi Wan more present um, in this movie. So I for our story of this movie and for the general arc of Star Wars, Qui Gon had to die. Yeah. Um, but I will I will talk more about that when we talk about our things we love. Okay. Uh, not that I love that Qui Gon died, but right. uh, yeah, I, no. Um, what uh, do you have any more things that are like your I really don't like about this movie? Yes. And go on cuz I I've named all my 3. Okay. So <laughs> I want okay, I know that this is going to be a touchy subject for you cuz we've already oh. sort of brought it up and you got triggered. So this is where we fundamentally disagree on this movie. And I just I just want you to just just listen for a second. I'm I'm okay. absorbing it all in. Just Absorb it all in. And then 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 we can have a debate. Okay. Um, one thing I do not like, I can tell you're already getting uncomfortable. Just say it. Just rip that bandit off. I need the, it. The pod racing. Why? Okay. I'll t- Why do you hate pod racing? What I told pod you racing to absorb it. it. Absorb it. I'll be quiet while you say incorrect things, but okay, okay. go. Okay, so what? Okay, first, just to start off, people either love or hate the pod racing scene. And there's a lot of times where I say I don't necessarily like Phantom Menace to Star Wars fans. And every time I say that, immediately someone says, Yeah, but what about pod racing? You don't like the pod racing? And so it becomes, it's a thing. It's like Jar Jar. It's like the pod racing has a big definition in how you enjoy or don't like this movie. Um, okay. It's a big chunk of the movie. It or at least one of the, it's one of the biggest like action sequences of the movie. It is. And so I will and special say. special effects, yeah. I will say that I do think the special effects and the action of it has held up over time. I think it looks great. Cool. I'm not saying it doesn't look cool. I think it looks awesome. I think it's visually uh, an accomplishment for that time. And the fact that it still holds up, A+. Plus. But my things are, one, it takes a little too long. I think the suspense of it dies towards the end because it's like, oh, we're still racing? Okay. <laughs> It's still only these two on the track. All right. Who's going to win? Oh, um, I wonder who. <laughs> I wonder who. This is so weird. So I think I think it could have been more impactful if we just like slimmed it down a little bit. Because I find myself being like, how long is this? Two been? laps instead of three laps? Yeah, two laps. Uh, you know, make it more uh, quick pace, like fast pace. Like, okay. We're at the especially towards the end is when it really make drags. it more fast paced. They're <laughs> they're speed racing in pods. They're they're going as fast as possible. Okay, I meant in editing. Yeah, the sounds are dope, but like the sounds are insane. I think that's why they got their Oscar or I, nominated for their Oscar. It could be that. <laughs> yeah, that is a it's a good good sound. But like I I do think that towards the end when it's just the two Anakin and his opponent left we could have cut it down a little bit okay so there's that there's that there's that can I pause you for a second okay you said his opponent do you know his name without looking at any notes do you know his name no (laughs) 
No. It's that's uh, hilarious. His name is Sebulba. I have to teach you that. Okay. Um, I think he's. This is one of the things I love about this movie is all the unique alien characters, and I think he's a great like minor little villain for us because he's such a dirtbag. <laughs> he fights with like Jar Jar and Anakin at like Mos Eisley or whatever it is. And then in this, he like rips a part of Anakin's pod and is like, <laughs> like he did it. <laughs> and then the entire race, he's just an asshole to everyone, running them off the road, breaking their stuff, throwing parts he broke off into other people's things. <laughs> deal with it everyone and i think like he's such a cool like jerk to like oh that stupid pod racer guy Ugh. i love him i yeah. okay i i haven't given him enough attention clearly uh sorry about it um okay but here's the thing another thing about the pod racing Okay. It, it feels like it's inevitable that Anakin will win also because it just does. Like it just there's feels no, there's no stakes because we're like, okay, it's Anakin. We know he's going to win. Exactly. But yet at the same time, the stakes are actually very high because if if Anakin loses, him and his mom are trapped as slaves. Uh he's he's stuck in his life forever. And also Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan, and Padme cannot get the supplies they need to carry on their plans. So like actually they have to figure out a better another way to get their stuff. Right. And and that would delay a lot of issues. Like that would delay them. That would cause problems. So actually, like there's a lot riding on this pad race. Literally, the fate of his future is on this race. And yet I don't feel that like at all. Like I don't understand like act like this is a big deal he needs to win and he might not because he's you know what for whatever reason like i don't i don't feel that um maybe maybe if anakin knew how much was at stake like because i don't i think he's just riding just because he loves pod racing and wants to impress everyone um or he's trying to be helpful he's just like if i win i'll get you your i can get your parts but he doesn't realize the like side bet that Qui-Gon puts on him. So I feel like if it was more like, because again, if they get the parts, he just did something nice. If he doesn't get the parts, it doesn't really affect him at all in his mind. So if mm -hmm. it was more stakes for him, I need to beat this guy, then we you'd probably be more inclined to like, yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. And I also think that this is where him being older would come into play very well because like he's a he's a child. Childs don't understand stakes. Like they don't understand bets. But like a teenager would I, get that. I don't like the detail where he's like, I'm one of the only humans that can do it. Why? <laughs> why is why are you the only human that can do it? What about <laughs> being human has anything to do with pod raising or not being able to... humans can fly the spaceships x-wings what about being on the ground <laughs> is so much more different gravity no <laughs> i don't understand that i also don't it was just to show like he has the force I, we could have i guess but then do all the aliens have just, the force i think him just like catching up and like 
winning is still cool and I don't know there probably was a way better way to show that he had the force. I still don't think he has the force just because he can pod race. Right. Cause it's like, he just has quick piloting. reflexes. Yeah. It's He's like quick reflexes. That's about it. Yeah. I think there could have been a, a bigger moment in the race where he has to use the force. Cause he, it seems like he's just like pressing buttons and doing triggers and like, yeah, if you, I mean, I'm not, I'm no pilot, but I feel like you can learn how to do that. Well, as a pilot, my no, I'm not. A <laughs> what if? Um, okay, so another thing about this that annoys me is kind of in line with what you were saying about like I'm the only human that can do that. Okay, uh, whatever. Literally, right before the race <laughs> is about to begin, we learn that Anakin has never won a race, let alone even finished a pod race. And so, what does it matter? He's human or not? It, yeah yeah so like okay you're the only human that can do it but you can't even do it that well apparently um and that doesn't make me root for him more it's not like oh wow this could be the one you guys it's like fuck this kid what are you doing i think when i heard that when i heard it this following time i was like uh qui-gon you need to you need to place your bet on somebody else (laughs) oh i just like doing it i'm not good at it but it just it's like a hobby of mine it's like me with piloting planes. <laughs> I've never done it, but I'd like to. It'd be fun. I mean, yeah. And <laughs> so like, <laughs> it's again, maybe if he was like a little more skilled, but he was in a higher league. I don't know. There's something about some brat being like, I actually don't know what I'm doing. Then I'm like, okay, well then stop. Don't do it. That annoys me. Yeah. Stop doing they it. They really need this part. Maybe you could help you know create a heist to get this from Watto. oh that would have been way more fun but not the jedi way true and i do think you're right like anakin needed to know that like okay not only are these parts a big deal but like your future is on the line here this is a very big deal kid get it together i think that could have been way more impactful than just him being like i don't know what i'm doing but i'm gonna give it a go like what if anakin didn't know what a jedi was too like hey kid we're this thing called Jedi's. If you do this thing, you could become one of us. Ooh, I like that. Mm-hmm. I want to, I need to do this to become one of you guys. I don't like that, Anakin, especially because, like, in our OT trilogy, Jedi are kind of like, no, those, I don't need, I don't think those are a thing. Han is very dismissive that Jedi's exist. And in this world, Anakin's, oh, I know that thing that, Nobody on my planet would ever know about because why would a Jedi visit this dirt hole? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think that could have just, I think just the idea of like him. Okay. Well, first of all, his enslavement doesn't seem that bad. He just has to work as a kid. I mean, it's not like that. Yeah. Child labor laws, but like he just can't leave the planet. And he still has his mom. He has to work. He has to work in a place where it's his number one hobby. <laughs> we can all be so lucky. <laughs> And his boss is super fun. I love Watto so much. Again, it's this, this movie introduces us to so many creative-looking, weird characters with weird, fun personalities. Oh, no money, no parts, no deal. Love that guy. You're right. He doesn't have it that bad. He gets to do what he loves so, and have some humor yeah. at work. Oh, you get to collect junk parts and put them together? Uh, oh, yeah, you made C-3PO. You love this. 
<laughs> I mean, like, yeah, like, so if his enslavement was worse, uh, then I could really feel the stakes of like his life sucks. And he, this is his one opportunity to, he, to get him out of it. Yeah. But instead, it's uh, like. Yeah, I, w- I wish we knew what his mom did for Watto, too. I don't know what the mom does. Right. We don't know what the mom does. And essentially, like, his mom is just left in the dust, which is like, I, I think could have been. Uh, way more interesting if it was not just his life but his mom's on the line he could get them both out this is a really big deal it you need to win this if we could just feel that we don't really feel that maybe right because he doesn't know uh, also he's a kid so he doesn't understand the gravity of the situation but yeah the stakes of pod racing while they are there are completely lost in the mix um so that I, I, that's bothers somewhat me. true that's somewhat true. I agree that Anakin, there's not really the stakes for Anakin for this, but I don't care. It's so cool watching all those Potter races zoom by and all the characters and the crashing. Each lap provides us with something new and weirder and different. Uh, we get like at one point uh, Tusken Raiders shooting at them and like, oh shit, someone might get shot. That's nuts. Um so what was throwing shit? He's, you know, breaking their stuff. Anakin, uh, one of his little, uh, I don't know what they're called. One of his little engines popped off and is spinning and he's got to like have a weird tool to like connect it, which um, one thing I'm not a huge fan of this movie. It's more so about, I'm not a huge fan of Star Wars in general doing this is all the edits each time a new ver, there's always new versions of the movie out. So I just have one more thing that I don't like about this movie that we've already sort of on. touched on. So we don't need to talk about it too in depthly. But I don't like the plot. <laughs> um, it's it's hard to follow the entire storyline, even oh. as an adult. It's hard to follow. <laughs> I mean, we yeah we we've talked about that. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's. It's a lot of things. It's very complex, actually. Um, and I feel like the entire plot of it actually just takes a backseat behind to the visuals of it all. Um, because like there are cool moments of the storyline and there's cool visuals that accompany those moments, but it's easy to forget how they're all tied together. Like it's really easy to be looking at a scene and being like, wait, how did we how do we get here from where we just were? Like, I think that that's an issue for me. Um, Okay. So just the overall beginning, middle, end of this whole plot is actually way too much. (laughs) Just way too much. We could have toned it down, made it a lot more digestible because honestly, it's really hard for me to describe every single thing that happens in this movie. I mean, it's almost impossible for me. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's actually a lot. So, okay, so to recover my mind after all the plot that I don't like. um, You need to, like, Yeah, I need a a little energy boost. So let's talk about some positive things to get me out of that weird mind space. Um, So can I, my first positive thing? Yeah. Pod racing. (laughs) We don't have to talk about it. We already talked about you don't like it. I love it. I think it's fast. It's fun. Action. It's exciting. I think it's exciting. 
move on. Next topic. <laughs> um, all right. So one thing I like, because I just shat on uh, the movie a lot. So I think I need to readjust that. One thing I really do like, and I've said it before, are the visuals. And I just got to say it again. The visuals are incredible. There is no doubt about that. And not just, uh, look, I'm not just talking about CGI. I'm not just talking about the, the uh, computer visual aspects of it. I'm talking about the actual, all of the visuals. The costumes are so detailed and so unique. I still find myself just fascinated by not like Queen Amidala's costumes I think are, are fun and cool the makeup of her the hair all of it is so interesting and then mm -hmm. you know seeing the outfits of the handmaidens I think are really neat and just just the different costumes and looks of all these different types of, of creatures and people I I love it and um, even when we introduce like new characters like Jar Jar, Watto, Sebulba, battle droids just everything looks different and new but also still feels like a universe of star wars because they still sprinkle in some of the creatures that we know from the past yeah and i think that that's a really tricky balance that they got was like new and distinct looks for everybody but also have it be universal so that they all fit together um, the, so i like, think that's great spaceships they've got that one giant ship that is just like uh metallic that just looks nice i think just the pod racers look cool the naboo starfighters the just like bright yellow like everything is pops yes and everything is um distinct and personal to like who the character is what they're about like i love that i think that that's no easy fleet too because this is a very big movie with a lot of different people and creatures and i think that's so dope um also Aside from from just the visuals of the characters themselves, the sets and locations are so grand. Like they're so nice and perfect. Like they just every place they're at feels like exactly where they should be and looks exactly how it should look. It's probably one of the reasons why I can watch it so many times and not get bored of it because I'm still just visually like looking, and even now on my like twentieth or so watch. You know, I'm looking at all the background characters and just every little detail is just so fun to watch and notice. Yeah, I totally agree. And that's why I am forgiving of not liking the plot because it is still exciting to watch. And I think it's because of the visuals, truly. And also, I mean, the special effects just haven't aged much, which is insane because this movie is two decades old and the all of it still looks great. Like Jar Jar looks good. Um, there's very little special effects in it that I think, yikes, like that's very of the time. Like I think the only special effects that like I would nitpick on are just like lighting and shadowing on some of the CGI characters, mm -hmm. but that was limit to, you know, the technology at the time. Now they could make that just perfect. And you wouldn't even think Jar Jar is like a, not a real creature. I was like, oh, that's a real thing. Yeah, I think like that's something that's definitely forgivable because like you said, it, it was new technology. They didn't know what they were doing. But yeah, overall, I well, think- Well, they were the ones that like pioneered it all. Right. That was them playing around and testing. And what we got still holds up. Absolutely, yeah. Which, which makes me really sad when I see movies that follow this and know that they aren't up to this level. Ugh. 
Um, I side complete sidebar. I just recently rewatched, as you know this already, but I just recently rewatched the uh, Lord of the Rings trilogy, oh. and oh, those visual effects did not hold up over time at all. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. We're going to have a lot of Lord of the Rings fans that do not like that comment. Okay, well, watch the scene in Fellowship of the Rings where Kate Blanchett's character becomes this weird demon lady and get back to me because that that special effects are awful. I've got a better suggestion for our fans. Uh, there's only one return and it's not of the king. It's of the Jedi. Fuck Lord of the Rings. Star Wars is way better. <laughs> Agreed. I mean, oh ooh, yeah deal with it controversial we're making it we're making a statement star wars is way better it's it's you can't argue with it i ain't no no i agree no oh does lord of the rings have a spin-off tv series on disney plus oh it doesn't interesting, mm-hmm. interesting. how does hobbit movies going for you yeah. oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> they fell short i think <laughs> Because uh, uh, hobbits are short. Yep. I get it. Um, Back all right. to what we love. Yeah, what, do we, what else we love about Star Wars? Because Star Wars is superior. Um, I'm surprised we haven't really talked about him a whole lot, but I love Darth Maul. I do. So Darth Maul is really awesome. Yes. Um, visually, he provides almost... Oh, so this is a this is the same issue I have with Boba Fett, where everyone is in love with him visually, and I get that they look cool. They're action figures I would play with all the time, but as a character, there's zero substance. Yeah. All he is is just the, like the lackey for Darth Sidious. Just yes, sir, I will go. You know, and he just goes off and hunts them down. Uh, but I like everything he's doing. He essentially tracks down and or tracks down the two jedi on tatooine and doesn't care at all that a child is in his way would have run through him and anakin not like ducked just to fight obi-wan i mean yeah. to fight qui-gon so i um I, I i agree that like i really do like him as a villain but there isn't much substance or personality there like at all that could be changed you ready for my other tweak for the star wars series how would yes what would you fix about this he of course gets cut in half as we know and due to our clone wars show he does get his robot half bottom half so he's not dead in our world of star wars and he actually makes an appearance in solo so bring him back for episode two bring him back for episode three he should be the main villain that or the main sith villain that we have to deal with more so again if we have obi-wan as our lead character Mm -hmm. i think too like having palpatine be the brains and darth maul be the bronze like that could have been a great balance of like physical villain and mental villain as well but also in the sense of you know he's got an apprentice but he's using that apprentice as a pawn because he knows anakin is the one that's going to be my best apprentice yeah i'm just using this guy to get to him yeah um 
it don't make Dooku because having Dooku in the next one kind of is weird. Mm-hmm. Um, plus, we have Obi Wan is like I hate Darth Maul. He's the one that killed my master, and I still have beef with him. Yeah, and he's this big bad that like I literally cut in half, and that didn't murder him. Like that's a, yeah, that's how do you how do you fight him then? Um, you know, yeah, there could have been a lot more places we went with Darth Maul that would have been really cool. But like you said, overall, I just I like his look. His look is fucking iconic. Like there's no doubt and about that. Double lightsabers. Double lightsabers. Which okay, that fun blew fact. My mind. Did you know, you probably know this because you can recite the movie word for word. Did you know that this is ultimately the only Star Wars movie that doesn't say the word lightsaber? Um, I probably knew that. Okay, I didn't. I didn't realize that. When uh, I'm An- thinking about it, Anakin does say like, you're a laser sword. Yeah, he calls it a laser sword. Stupid kid. Stupid, dumb kid. Get out of here. Why do you know what that is? You live on planet dirt. <laughs> okay so but back on track with Darth Maul I found out some like kind of fun facts about the villain that I didn't know a ton about I love Uh, fun facts I love fun facts too uh so actually originally um Darth Maul was going to be a a bigger character um and actually there was a lot more lines of dialogue he had and a lot more interactions he had with characters in the original script but were just taken out um and it even cut it just cut yeah we don't need him fuck him apparently um okay another fun fact i didn't know this at all until i was researching for this episode benicio del toro was originally set to play darth maul but he left he left because george lucas took away most of his lines so he's like why am i even doing this i'm in makeup anyway no one's gonna know but you know what good thing for benicio what a great move because then he gets to come back and be dj which is probably one of the best star wars characters hot take (laughs) it's it's not but i love i i really enjoy that character yeah um i i he fits that i he fit he fits the role anyway anyway um and just just to throw it out there just so we know how small of uh of interactions we actually have with darth maul uh, while he's thought to be probably the most iconic villain besides Palpatine of the prequels, he's only in the movie for 8.5 minutes, roughly. And he only has three lines of dialogue. While we're on the topic of Darth Maul, one of the best things about this movie, I think, is him fighting Obi-Wan and, An- or Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon for the Duel of Fates. Um, that, n- no the question. The song, the fighting... The song is fucking epic, and I I never get sick of this song. I love Duel It might be the best Star Wars song, maybe. It's like it's great. It not might be. It is. It probably is. Just make declarative statements. It is okay. Well, I wasn't totally sure how I felt about it, but I think it is because it's the one that like gets me pumped. I'll, um, I'll yeah. keep pushing you into knowing it's yeah, it's the best one. <laughs> um, and it fits the battle so well. Like it just fits this epic fight scene. Um, I I personally think that this lightsaber battle is the high point of the film. I love it. I think it's epic. There's a lot more at stake here than just like, oh, this is a really cool double double sorted lightsaber moment. Um, 
I mean, yeah, it, it, it yeah. controls the fate of Anakin and therefore controls the fate of the universe. I will say my first viewing in theater, I was so shocked when Darth Maul got cut in half. I did not expect that going in. I thought this is going to be the villain. He's essentially going to be our Darth Vader for three mm-hmm. movies. And he wasn't. And that I was like, did he really just get cut in half? He fell down the shaft into two pieces. What? He again has a very distinct, very iconic look. Uh, he's a big bad. He's a fun villain to watch them fight. I wish we had more of him. Um, but that is definitely one thing I liked is 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 Darth Maul. I just do. Um, and everything surrounding him with that lightsaber battle. To me, the, like, the lightsaber battle is iconic. It's the you just show me that and I'm good, you know. Um, and then I do have one more thing I do want to say that I do like, and I think it gets overlooked a lot. It's not really talked about a ton. Um, with the exception of two characters I've already talked about, I really like the casting. Um, I'll just say I really like the casting for the adult roles. Um, I th- <laughs> I think they nail that. The kid roles, they could have done a little... Okay. But, but I think um, in terms of the adults in the movie, the casting's but, incredible. But with, our tweaks of, but with our tweaks of making them older, problem solved. Right. Um, I think Natalie Portman still could have been a, a good cast. If, what, I don't know. Whatever. We, I'm not... Whatever. Uh, this, I'm not talking about things I might not like. I'm talking about what I like. And I like the casting. I think Ewan McGregor is a wonderful fit for young Obi-Wan. I think you can tell he really did study Alan Guinness's work and he tried to really embody uh, a younger, newer Obi-Wan while also staying true to that. So it was a very good balance. Um, Liam Neeson is very invested in the role. And and like we said earlier, he's just great as Qui-Gon. He's great. Um, I even I think, think Qui-Gon's one of my favorite parts of the movie. You know, I think I do too. I think, and I think just having this, this wise sage that's very relatable and likable is, is cool. And I think, like I said, I think Liam Neeson takes it seriously. He's not just joking around here. He's not just fucking around. Like he's, he's playing a serious role. And I, I think you to can me, To me, he's like the rebellious Jedi that like, hey, Jedi have their way, which is great, but I know this is going to be better. I'm going to do it anyway. He's like the and fun I, dad of Jedis. Yeah. Yeah. Even the smaller roles that we see throughout the movie, I think they work. I think the only one that that like sticks out is Samuel Jackson as uh, but but that's just really because he's Samuel Jackson. Like he still fits in he's as He's like too iconic. Yeah, a little yeah, bit. He's too iconic of an actor. I wouldn't replace him with anyone else, though. Okay, so another... I, well, that's the thing. It, it is hard to think of anyone else but him playing it. So that's... But anyway, yeah. another fun fact I learned is that actually Tupac Shakur wanted to play Mace so bad. He's a, he was a huge Star Wars fan. Um, and he was actively pursuing the role and practicing acting to play Mace. But then, unfortunately, he was murdered before he could actually have his official audition. Who knows? If you read some of the the casting ideas, 
they're bonkers. So he could have, um, like for instance, uh, Michael Jackson, the same one, one. Michael Jackson (laughs) really wanted, wanted to be Jar Jar. He really, really wanted to be Jar Jar. And, and they, they almost, they, (laughs) they actually were considering casting him, but they thought he was too big for star Wars. Um, and that's why. It's the only That's crazy I... that he was too big for Star Wars, but Samuel Jackson wasn't. I know. It's a, I mean, but yeah, he was the king of pop, blah, 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 blah. And plus, I guess that's true, yeah. Yeah, and also he was really controversial already then. So I think, whatever. It was such a big deal, though, that Ahmed Best actually told a story that him and George Lucas and Natalie Portman went to a Michael Jackson concert and afterwards they all went backstage so George could introduce michael to ahmed and say this is the guy who's going to be playing jar jar and get michael's approval which they did yeah so it's what bonkers yes why were they getting his approval for a project he's not involved in <laughs> i don't know i don't know but george lucas was really on michael with the jackson idea. michael jackson i just want to let you know we're making a movie and <laughs> this is the guy we're going to have in the role that you liked <laughs> that you're not involved in is that okay <laughs> um yeah so it was some weird some weird talks about casting up in the air but overall i think i think they did very well and one thing i do i do really like about the casting choices as well is keeping ian mcdarmid ian mcdarmid who plays senator palpatine and then is in is Palpatine in the originals keeping him was very smart because we get the visual idea of like this is who this character is um so I just really like that I like that he, even, he was kept and even as a kid I knew like oh that's the emperor yes why are you guys listening to this dude like <laughs> it's clearly that that is the guy yeah, and I think that's really smart because almost anyone, even a dumb kid, can grasp onto the idea of like, oh, I know him. Like, that's who that is um, without having it be shoved down your throat at all. It's just you you already know. Like, oh, no, this is a bad guy. What a great movie. <laughs> uh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> is it time to is it time to wind down our second chance? I think it is. I think it is. So so Jessica, after watching this film a second time, mm, quote unquote second what time. What do you think? Does you... this hold up over time? Do were people too harsh on it when it first came out? So are you asking me if this movie deserves a second chance? Does this movie deserve a second chance? So if you had asked me this, I don't know, my actual second chance watching or third, I would have said, no, it's it's bad. It's harsh. They, it deserved all the bad criticism. But there's something about watching it here and now in 2021 as uh adults i won't say my age um i say 
Yeah. <laughs> you did mention the age you saw it when you, you know, people okay. were doing their math. You They'll can figure do it the out. math. I'm 17. Um, I, I say, give it a second chance. Um, it's actually not as bad as people make it out to be, which I, that might be shocking for you to hear. Cause you and I have discussed Star Wars before and I've always aired on the side of this movie sucks. Fuck this movie. But yeah, something about revisiting it now and maybe it's because it's I'm revisiting it after I've seen Rise of Skywalker. I don't know. Um, it's it's a fun movie. Is it a great movie? Nah. Is it, it's not a movie that was is for me. But I think it's worth a second chance. I think it's actually was treated kind of unfairly by a lot of critics. And I'm very proud at the age of seventy one <laughs> that I could convince you it was good. <laughs> But yeah, I've I've always liked it. I've always thought it's fun. I've never once thought this is bad. And I think everyone should watch it who is in a Star Wars. I do think everyone's first Star Wars movie should be what we know is Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. That will forever be the better, the best Star Wars movie. And definitely start from there. Uh, but yeah, I mean... I like all the Star Wars. Are there some that are bad that I don't like? Yeah. But I think this one is that the Phantom Menace is more at the top of my Star Wars list. Um, it's it's somewhere like in the middle top for me, I'd say. But I do think middle top. Sure. Middle top. Um, but I do say, yeah, it's definitely I, not the worst. Definitely not the worst. This is definitely the one I've watched the most. Most yeah, I definitely think I've seen this one the most, which is odd but you know what <laughs> i like it it's fun i i agree it's Second fun. Chance, give it a fourth and fifth give it all the chances give it another chance even if if you hate it and i used to i used to rail this movie um and i still wouldn't say i was the nicest on it this episode <laughs> but um i think it's actually fun and the visuals it's are a worth silly watching. space adventure it's a silly space adventure with some dope visuals. Not a problem. And fun characters. Fun characters. And again, just as for, for, for our med best and Jar Jar. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we both agree. Second, Give it a second chance. It deserved it. Yay. All right, everyone. Oh, so I was so is- worried because you had hated this movie so much. I, you know, I'm actually surprised our conversation wasn't more argumentative. I definitely was ready before I rewatched it. I was ready to go in like guns blaze and this movie sucks. And then, yeah, there was just something about watching it this time where I tried to be a little more objective and it worked. I was like, I don't, why did I hate this? So why did I have such passion towards hating this movie? It's actually not that bad. You know what? I have a theory of why this hatred for star wars came about mm-hmm. michael jackson has been bad mouthing it because he wasn't jar jar and one person was, well the king of pop said it well then i hate it too and then everyone because internet was new just it spread i gotta be like mike yeah um i think you've uncovered some deeper darker issues about michael jackson that we're always just kind of on the surface we liked it. 
a second time. We encourage everyone to watch it again if you feel inclined. Don't hate on it as much as you did the first time around. It's not that bad. It's not that bad. And if you agree or disagree, we want to hear from you. Leave a comment below. Let us know what you think. Um, what did you think the first time around? Did you like it? Did you hate it? Has it changed at all? Um, let us know. We want to know what your first and second opinions were. Okay, so bye. Bye, everyone. And I just want to say, Thelma, I'm so sorry Star Wars didn't have more sex in it. I'm so sorry. Second chance.